is a question as old as time itself. Is time travel possible? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> I mean, yes. Okay. I don't know if the question of time travels is old as time itself. Like, I think that's a fairly new pondering. I mean, so were the dinosaurs asking it amongst themselves? Were our fishy ancestors beneath the waves wondering it as we as we uh, crawled towards the surface? Like, I, I mean, time. Well, first of all, time's not real. It's a construct. So so has that question always been since everything? I, I don't know, and I, I try not to worry about it, but now I'm scared. <laughs> Blows my mind, man. Okay, um, welcome to Come Back a Star. It's a movie podcast. Yeah. Has very little to do with time travel. Well, a little more, though, than you might think. Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> I think every movie's like a time travel to a different place in time. You make fun, but it's true. It's a nice history lesson every time you look at the silver screen. Especially since we are covering the best pictures from 1927-28 to, well, whenever, yeah. for, till forever. Like, uh, it's like time itself. Uh, since it started, it hasn't stopped. It's true. We just have to make... More than 10 episodes in a year to catch up. <laughs> oh, boy. We could yeah. do it, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's the ticket. And what else are we going to do during a pandemic, right? I I really don't know. Uh, welcome to the podcast, everyone. What we do here is that we rate and review every Best Picture nominee and winner uh, for for all time. And what we do is that we rate them on several different categories. And after we rate them, we decide whether we're going to nominate them for our own special award that we've been calling the Notskers or sometimes some sort of subtitle to that, like the the movie award podcast movie award or something like that. My personal favorite is the Notsker. And not just because I came up with it. <laughs> so uh, who are we covering today? We are covering the circus. Yes, and I, and I accidentally said who are we covering because I noticed that I was going to let it go. But uh, if you want to drag your boo boo out into the open, let's do it. Yeah, I mean the main thing is is that it is kind of Charlie Chaplin the movie, as with many a Charlie Chaplin yeah <laughs> movie. I mean it's it's a vehicle for his hijinks. Oh, did we introduce ourselves? I feel like that's. Oh, yeah, we always forget to do that. Um, well, I, I, I kind of like being just a nameless god speaking to you through uh, through the glory of podcasts. But And and that voice, that god is named Laura. And the god who just announced me is Jason. Oh, I think it's the first time we ever announced each other. Aww. Interesting. Okay, so the circus was not nominated for Best Picture, so we're, we're great big liars from the very beginning of this <laughs> podcast. Uh, this is a very special episode, but not with many like morals oh. about not doing drugs or anything. The opposite, yeah. a netable or two would help in the viewing of this. <laughs> the circus was not nominated for any of the other Academy Awards because it got its own special Academy Award just for, just for the circus. 
And I think specifically just for Charlie Chaplin for writing, directing, acting, and producing. Yeah. And uh, for doing everything. I mean, it really wasn't new. I mean, I think Buster Keaton was known for doing that. I think a lot of the early silent film stars, especially it seems like the comedians did that. But I think this was just because it was landed in the year of the first Oscars and the fact that it was quite the achievement. It wasn't just like a little uh, short or anything. It was a it was yeah. a full pick. Full, uh, full-blown picture. It uh, garnered a lot of attention for that reason. Yeah, it was a full-blown picture, although it, I think it was the shortest of the ones that we reviewed for 27-28. I mean, the standards seem to be that comedies usually weren't as long as the right, dramas. Right, right. It was only like 70 minutes long, I think. Yeah, yeah, which, which good. you know, is fine. Yeah, I think that's that's good. I mean, you probably don't get the character development you got in like seventh heaven but that's okay because it's a charlie chaplin comedy yeah that's that's the opposite of the point yeah for the circus <laughs> uh i really got the sense that the circus any characters or plot was pretty much there to engineer situations for charlie chaplin to do his all his, his comedy bits which are funny and, and great yes i mean they're great it's it's weird how like the different ways the silent comedians kind of went about with their philosophies uh i mean buster keaton and charlie chaplin i mean those are the two big ones you always think of um you know keaton was i think a lot less sentimental than Mm. uh, chaplin but he still always got the girl whereas with chaplin he very rarely got the girl and that's kind of where the sentimentality comes in i think the kind of wistfulness of the little tramp figure the the character (laughs) <laughs> the character, yeah. So uh, before we get into the plot or anything like that, we have to cover, I guess, a question of time travel and also just like a few brief stats. Uh, we counted, I think it was 13 kicks in the butt. Yeah. For this picture, which I think is probably about average for a Charlie Chaplin movie. And I'm sure there, I mean, like you mentioned while we were watching it, he was such a fan of like, sped up camera shots that I'm sure there were some we missed. So I bet you anything the the count is actually higher. Yeah, I, I rewatched it and I saw one and I wasn't sure if we counted it or not. We, I mean, I was sitting there with my phone and I had to keep tally uh, of all these things that came up. And we also had two um, two incidents of butts being almost lit on fire. Oh, once once when Chaplin trips and falls into a fire. That's and right. another time when he strikes a match on a person's butt. Yep. On a clown's butt, too. There are so many clowns in this movie. There are a lot of clowns. And they're not terrifying. I will give the movie that. I mean, I'll give that movie a lot. I thought it was really good. But mm-hmm. I mean, the clowns were all just a bunch of like down on their luck, middle aged guys just kind of wandering around morosely, yeah. which is which is funny in its own weird, sad way. There was that one older clown that was kind of like the mentor of the group, which was <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think he he got enough uh, development there. I guess. Oh, no. I'm I mean, sure in I the novelization <laughs> of the circus. Well, in my fan fiction, it'll be all about the clowns and their various uh, relationships with each other, romantic and otherwise. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, so you want to jump right into the time travel, huh? Uh, yes, because you've been hinting at it, and I am just itching to know. What it's all about. I did a little research and it turns out it was not actually in the movie itself, but it was from some special footage of the uh, premiere. 
So I don't know how you'll want to edit this because it's a YouTube clip from CNN. But uh, just so you see it, here you go. It's a question as old as time itself. Is time travel possible? This is a movie clip from 1928. This is a movie premiere for Charlie Chapman's The Circus. And you see the woman walking in the background with her hand to her ear talking on a cell phone. Um, but wait, cell phones didn't exist 82 years ago. So Good job, news anchor lady. And up to her ear, she's talking. They're saying, no, that's not a cell phone. You know, she's holding a hearing device. Others are saying she traveled back in time. The <laughs> hearing device, cell phone. Hearing device, cell phone. I'll let you be the judge. Well, Jason, you be the judge. <laughs> are you gonna Are you gonna agree that it's a time traveler? Or are you gonna be like those other misinformed fools, aka like historians and uh, other people who think it's some kind of hearing device? All right, so to cover it for uh, people who weren't able to watch this clip, and do look it up, it's, what's the name of the video on, on the YouTube? Uh, just put in, like, Time Traveler Charlie Chaplin. Uh, we watched the CNN clip. There's seriously dozens of videos about this. That's hilarious. Yeah, basically for the premiere of The Circus, um, there is apparently a time traveler because there's a woman walking along the street uh, holding what appears to be a cell phone. But cell phones didn't exist back then. They did. Or did they? For this time traveler. <gasps> I mean, I think that definitely needs to be a, like a Star Trek episode. Yeah, just like strolling down the street super casual as a... <laughs> With a communicator. Oh my God, that was Captain Kirk and Drag. <laughs> oh. Well, let's have fun and say it was time travel. Okay. So let us, let's time travel here. Yes, and let's talk about, uh, let's review, I guess, the plot to The Circus. Good luck. Our, our favorite time travel flick. Yep. And The first sci-fi comedy. <laughs> so this is going to be interesting because the plot is, I don't know, like so simple that it's hard to remember. I mean... The plot is kind of just background, really, to a bunch of chaplain routines, and that's fine. Right. It's pretty much it's OK. So let me see if I can do this Let's see how well I can remember what goes on in this movie. <laughs> um, we start off at, I think, a carnival is what it is with an adjoining circus. And at this carnival, people are watching looks like the entrance of a funhouse of some kind. And this uh, pickpocket pickpockets a, a wealthy gentleman's wallet and pocket watch. And he's worried about getting caught. So what he does is that he takes this wallet and pocket watch and stuffs it into Charlie Chaplin's uh, trouser pocket. Charlie Chaplin wears, in case you don't know, very loose pants with pockets about as deep as a person's arm. <laughs> um, and, and the pockets are also very large. So he he doesn't notice this person, but the older gentleman catches the pickpocket and the pickpocket says, hey, look, I don't have anything. So I clearly didn't pickpocket you. Anyways, so Chaplin walks off with the goods. The pickpocket tries to shadow him and tries to steal. Steal the, back the yeah, wallet yeah, and wristwatch. Steal back the stolen wallet. Watch. Pocket watch. watch. That's the whole yeah. point. See, I'm time traveling all over the place here. Jeez. No one knew of, of wristwatches. But wait. Yeah. I don't know when the, 
breakfast watch became popular. Well, they probably did have them. I mean, that'll be for our uh, other podcast. Uh, when did wristwatches become wristwatches? But we don't. We're, yeah, that's not the podcast we're doing. Podcast is one episode. Yeah, where we just say the date and then we close it up. And then we close it up. You can kind of hear us crying in the background, but that's yeah, all good. <gasps> oh, <laughs> I thought it was a little bit sooner. But through yeah, basically through a series of mishaps, it is discovered that they are in the possession of Charlie Chaplin. And so it becomes the cops are chasing him, but so is the original thief. Right. Oh, but let me see. Cause there are some pretty good bits here. Well, but uh, definitely the stealing food from the baby was great. Yeah. The stealing food from a baby bit was pretty amazing. This person is holding a baby and the baby's kind of looking over the, the adult's shoulder and is facing Charlie Chaplin while holding what looks like like a biscuit with marmalade or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I have no idea. Some kind of doughy. And so, cake. you know, Charlie Chaplin kind of coos and smiles at the baby and then slowly starts eating the baby's food. Right out of the baby's hand. It's pretty yeah. great. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome gag. And then we come across uh, the pickpocket trying to pickpocket the pickpocketed wallet. Say that five times fast. <laughs> and getting caught by a police officer and the officer returns the stolen wallet back to Charlie Chaplin, who it doesn't belong to Charlie Chaplin, who didn't realize that he had this wallet immediately turns around and starts buying hot dogs. I believe with it. Oh yeah. He's hungry. I mean, pretty much in every Chaplin movie, he is the same character. That's why we call him Charlie Chaplin. He doesn't even have a name most of the time. Other I think than it's like just the, the tramp. tramp. Yeah. Um, and of course he's a tramp, AKA transient and homeless so he's very hungry yeah yeah and this is um, before the depression so again time travel maybe he knew it was coming mm, it's a motif mm. now yeah that's kind of like another motif for him it's like getting kicked in the butt and also eating yep. Pe- people love it when he eats mm-hmm. where were we eventually the wealthy man also shows up to buy a hot dog i guess and notices that this other guy charlie chaplin is using his wallet in his pocket watch. And so he tries to get Charlie Chaplin arrested. So you have two sets of arrests. We have the pickpocket and Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin is mostly blameless. I mean, he obviously knows his wallet isn't his, but at least he's using it to buy hot dogs. Yeah, I mean, that seems pretty virtuous. I mean, it's not, but, you know, understandable. It's bolstering local businesses. And- there we go. And, uh, but yeah, uh, Good old-fashioned Keystone Cop-esque uh, chase commences um, that, yeah. you know, uh, leads to pretty, I'm sure it's a pretty popular sequence in uh, Funhouse with some uh, Funhouse mirrors, which uh, I'm, I'm just calling it now. Orson Welles stole that for uh, The Lady in Shanghai. Um, oh. I, I mean, I just assume so. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a... It's really hard to like describe Charlie Chaplin sequences and I feel like you kind of miss the point by explaining it because it's like explaining a joke. Yeah, yeah, it's too visual is a thing. It's too uh, visual, but I think what's the important thing is to say through the chasing, out of the funhouse, it does lead him into basically what looks on the surface as ruining the circus. So the circus is owned by a very mean man who I don't, yeah. again, I don't think has a name. 
who has a daughter whom he mistreats. And she also happens to be very pretty. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a great actress as well. And a great actress. She is. She's very good in it. And oh, yeah. She's hilarious. She's she's really funny. I mean, Chaplin was not particularly well known for writing great female characters. They were all kind of just the doe-eyed, misty-eyed, uh, innocent waifs. But yeah. uh, she plays it. She sells it, plays it really well. Myrna Kennedy was her name. So Chaplin busts in with the cops on his uh, at his feet. And, uh, you know, everyone at first is enraged who works for the circus because he's screwing up acts. He's uh, just running around, getting about, trying to hide, getting about, ruining a magician's uh, setup by. (laughs) Again, it's so hard to describe because it's just like I would just be describing this joke. That's all that's all visual Mm -hmm, that you mm -hmm. can't see. But the point is the audience of the circus just laps it up they think it's the most hilarious thing they've ever seen oh yeah it's like very standard circus acts you know magic act pulling a rabbit out of the hat and things like that and he comes in and buffoons it up yep by being charlie chaplin which is clumsy in the most graceful way possible well and you know this is probably something to say for after we're done describing the movie itself but i think this is a very meta movie and probably in a weird way, biographical for him because, mm-hmm. you know, Chaplin, I think, grew up in show business. I think his mom and his dad, like, worked on the stage. And one of his acts, earliest, the things that got him the earliest attention was he would uh, pretend to be a customer at the music halls. Um, he would, like, dress up like this old man and get up on well, the balcony seats and just do all these insane things, like drop his hat on the state, like and like try to reach for it and look like he's going to fall off the balcony, and just basically kind of candid camera stuff that would get the audience actually oh, laughing awesome. at him. So I think he's kind of, in a weird way, it's kind of taking inspiration, like this uh, supposed mem- member, the supposed not member of the circus is making the audience laugh harder than the actual uh, circus performers. Yeah. Yeah. And of course that gets the attention of the cruel boss who tells him to come back in the morning for an audition. Yes. And before the audition, it appears that he has just been camping out around the circus waiting for his audition. So it kind of starts off with a comical breakfast scene where he is, you know, making some toast and he puts a spoon in his pocket and spoons, I guess, sugar or salt into this can of boiling water. It's never clear what he's boiling. Exactly. That might be one of those things where a modern viewer just doesn't know what he's doing, but maybe it's crystal clear to a 1920s audience yeah, what he's maybe it's, doing. Maybe it's ramen seasoning and he's just like throwing it in that. <laughs> it is kind of the equivalent of uh, cooking up some ramen. Yeah, he spots a chicken and chases down the chicken who, of course, lays an egg immediately. So he has an egg now, too. You know, I was I was thinking we were going to see a chicken slaughtered on screen, but no, he's just after the egg. Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness. Uh, The ringmaster's daughter is not permitted to eat because she messed up an act. So she wakes up and comes out of her her. um, Cart. I guess I what, caravan. I'm not sure what they called it back then. Yeah. Essentially trailer. Yeah. She comes out of her trailer and spots the bread that Chaplin was eating. And so immediately goes over and starts eating it. And this is where Myrna Kennedy has, 
I think probably her best comedic bit. I was about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Where she is just like devouring this piece of bread it's before great Chaplin. seeing this dainty little gal just go for it. And of course, once he catches her, she gives him the, the doe eyes. Yeah, it's very funny. It's very much like hangdog, like kind of begging expression. She does it really well. Yeah, so they kind of strike up a a friendship built off of this uh, where Chaplin is obviously kind of falling for her and she's very appreciative of this guy who is nice and even after a while gives her uh, half of his bread and then the egg. And that comes up later when she says, like, thanks for the egg. Yep, thanks for the egg and something about it and the way she looks back at him. I think that's what makes him infatuated. Oh. But he gets pulled away from breakfast to do his clown audition. And they show him different clowning routines and ask him to to do them himself. Yeah. And, and again, I think it's probably pretty meta on Chaplin's part because a line that's kind of repeated is, OK, be funny. And I think that <laughs> I think that's probably, you know, a subtle dig at his own frustration, probably, of how producers or directors in Hollywood probably treated him. You know, oh, yeah. oh be funny. All right now, be funny. Right now, be funny. And yeah, so we get like, what was it? There's a couple of good bits. Um, there's one routine they ask him to do where he places an apple on his head like William Tell. Another clown is supposed to shoot him. But of course, like they're not going to actually do that because what Chaplin is supposed to do is eat the apple instead. But there's worms in the apple. So Chaplin refuses and instead just like, pulls out a banana and starts eating that instead and places it on his head. And that's kind of a golden rule of comedy. This is something that was actually taught to me in school. <laughs> really? Is is that bananas are always funnier than pretty much anything else. And again, I think I'll see a little bit of Chaplin's ego on display. It's like, see, I can take old routines and I always make him funnier and fresher. That's true. I mean, it is ego, but it's also true. There's a reason why he's... A very funny man. <laughs> yeah, and he plays it and he plays it off really well on the circus in that he the whole thing is that the tramp is supposed to be really funny and good at this without trying. Yeah. So and he portrays that really well. He's obviously it looks like he's trying to follow the routine and then keeps botching it. And after you've seen the other clowns do the exact same routine, it's clear which one is funnier. Yeah. So, okay, haha, he eats the apple instead of letting the the archer shoot the apple off of his head. That's pr okay, that's pretty funny. But now this guy just randomly pulls a banana out of his pocket and now he's eating it and placing it on top of his head. That's now that's really funny. That's really funny. But uh a little ahead of his time, the uh people around him in the movie don't think it's very funny. And same with the barber. There's a, then a barber shop routine where uh, uh, they're supposed to use these uh, uh, like big, almost like car washing uh, brushes to uh, these two rival barbers trying to shave this one man. Right. And they end up just kind of attacking each other with the brushes. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, get, it turns into a big, a big shaving cream mess, of course, with people slapping each other with giant brushes filled with shaving cream. And okay, that that's okay. De decent clown routine. But, uh, you know, Chaplin has to take it a step further by a constantly messing it up and dodging whenever 
this guy tries to go at him with uh with shaving cream. Then after he lets him hit him with shaving cream, of course, he's completely covered in it and he can't see. So he's just kind of swinging all over the place and eventually hits the boss in the face with shaving cream and hilarity ensues. And, uh, yep, he's ejected. And when uh, he runs into the daughter, he I, I love how he puts this to uh, kind of save his dignity, he said we couldn't come to terms. Yeah. Which, again, I wonder and this is a lot of extrapolation, if that is just kind of something Chaplin would hear around the studio, the kind of uh, passive aggressive sort of, oh, we couldn't come to terms on such and such as. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know. He was he was often very frustrated by the system, as a lot of creative types were. So, yeah. I mean, I guess there's a reason why he was a writer, director, producer and actor. <laughs> Could be. We can connect the dots here. But his crush on the daughter means he he sticks around anyways and tries to watch her through a hole in the curtain. And so he's uh, spotted when the... Uh, All the property men. Yeah, the Teamsters, but the property yes, men. men. Yeah, the property <laughs> men quit because the ringmaster won't pay them back pay. Right, right. So they're instead replaced by this one guy who we've already seen as kind of a buffoon and, and screw up. Um, yeah, property men. So now Chaplin's character is a property man or props guy. Props guy. But what the ringmaster realizes is, oh, he's getting laughs because he goes out. He's supposed to carry all these plates and he drops them. He accidentally hits the magician's uh, button on the table and releases all the animals. And what do you know? The audience loves it. Yeah. And that's when the ringmaster finally realizes, oh, he's funniest when he doesn't realize he's being funny. So we'll keep him on as a prop guy, but just never tell him he's the star of the show. Yeah. So that's that's the big evil guy's uh, plan. Evil, evil plan. Yep. Life it's... is kind of good for him for a little while. Yeah, it's all right. He's got reliable employment. He gets to uh, hang around uh, the girl of his dreams and they're they're good buddy buddies. And we get some more great bits like uh the horse pill he uh, tries to give a horse a pill yeah there's no there's no reason given why they need him to give this horse a pill it's kind of or why any props guy needs to administer horses their pills i'm sure there was a lot of cross training going on i guess so so the way that they apparently administer this horse pill is with like a giant tube so you just blow this pill down the horse's throat which sounds inhumane but what what do i know maybe that's the way you're supposed to do it i my knowledge of giving horses pills is a little little scant so i don't know but what i do know is whoopsie doodle yeah he swallows the pill of course and that sets off a whole chain of events that again it's kind of hard to describe the details but yes he does end up in a lion cage and a, and a tiger's cage and um, Murda Kennedy has another great comedic moment where she sees him in the lion's cage and he's like, go get help. And she just like kind of looks at the camera and faints. And I just think yes. that's like a kind of a hilarious commentary, I think, of her kind of character and yeah. uh, that I that I appreciate. Um, she does a really good job for, really for her role. And also she just has a very expressive face. She does. And yeah. Just like good comedic motions and things like that. She's. You know, she doesn't detract from from Chaplin because she is so good that she can keep up with him. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> so 
But um, this kind of culminates in a scene where she's talked into visiting a fortune teller. And uh, on the other side of the curtain, Shaflin is eavesdropping and learns that she will soon meet a dark, there is a dark, handsome man near her that uh, will fall in love with her and that she will fall in love with. And he, of course, is just over the moon because it's totally going to be him. Oh, of course. He even buys a ring off of a fellow clown for a whole five dollars, which when I looked it up uh, was like seventy four dollars. And uh, in today's money, in today's money. And he's able to afford much. I did skip over. I've, it's finally revealed by the daughter that he is uh, the star of the show. Right. So right. he starts to like leverage his power. He tells the ringmaster, you can't beat up your daughter anymore or I'm going to leave. And you better start paying me what I'm worth. Right. And so the ringmaster first offers him 50. And he refuses, then 60. And then he refuses and he says, I'll double it, which would be 120. And of course, Chaplin says, I won't do it for any less than 100. And of course, the ringmaster agrees. It actually (laughs) took me a while to actually pick up that math math joke. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was like a Marx Brothers level kind of verbal play. I like that. Right, right. Um, Without words. Without words. So we see Chaplin at his happiest here. He's got... A really crazy high wage for like 1928. Mm -hmm. And um, he thinks the girl of his dreams is going to fall in love with him. And uh, so he's so happy. He runs around. He kicks a few more people in the butt just because he can. Yeah. And the chest, too. And the chest. He's he's crazy. Yeah. When he gets wealthy, I think there is like an actual change that we're supposed to notice in his character Mm. that once he gets money, he's kind of a jerk to people. I mean, in a hilarious way. Right. I mean, he does light a match on a person's butt to light a cigarette and then tosses the the used match into the ringmaster's top hat. That's right. <laughs> kind of getting his own back, I think, after being kind of kicked around by his higher ups. Yeah, so it's a, a little bit of economic revenge, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's how I'd term it. But his happiness, alas, is a bit short-lived. It is because enter the tightrope walker. It's a very suave, debonair drawing of a man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, it's yeah. His type is a character that I notice shows up a lot in like silent movies, especially silent comedies. Is like obviously the prefer like the preferable option for the girl, but when you look at it, it's like why he's not as funny or as interesting as like the chaplain character he's actually pretty bland but he is tall and he does wear a suit so yeah he does wear a suit which he wears during part of his tightrope routine and that was really bugging me because i was just imagining trying to do something athletic in a restrictive three-piece suit it's no yeah thankfully it's a tearaway suit and he has like his shiny spandex gym jams underneath but either way he looks goofy but you know at least one way makes more sense for the tightrope but all this just of course totally infatuates Myrna and I think there's a great bit of acting on Chaplin's part where she makes him sit down and watch the act and uh 
at the very beginning, the tightrope walker does a sort of fake out where it looks like he's going to gonna fall. And Chaplin just doubles over, like, laughing this obvious really nasty <laughs> laugh. And uh, just really kind of gets the look of this, like, this enraged little boy as the act goes on. And he sees Myrna enjoying it and just falling deeper and deeper in love with this guy. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of sad and funny. Yeah. And let's see, where does it go from there? Let's I see. know. Again, it's like, you know, with with the dramas, with uh, Seventh Heaven, with with Wings, with the Sunrise Racket, there are plot points and a clear plot. And that's what the movie is about. Right. Um, they, they would have like Wings is probably honestly the closest we have to this in tone because a lot of it was a set piece for uh well, the wings, the planes, and all of that, but it still would always come back to the plot. Whereas this, it does come back to the plot, but the plot is so real thin that mm-hmm. uh, it's harder to kind of remember it in the midst of all the acts. But um, I think it culminates in the fact that Chaplin is so heartbroken over this that he's just not as funny anymore out there that's true and he also tries to learn how to tightrope walk himself so you catch him on like the practice rope trying to trying to master this thing uh, presumably in order to impress myrna as well and the ringmaster sees this and gets really irritated and says like no 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 no, you just have to go out and be funny and you're not being funny so get to work on that get to work on that or you're out of here and let's see. Then the tightrope walker, and this is kind of a, a plot hole because it's never explained. He just does not show up for one of the performances. Yeah, he just doesn't show up to work. And, and yeah. there's never explanation why. Nope. So Chaplin decides, well, this is my moment. Yeah, obviously, if if uh, if this person doesn't show up for his job, just get Chaplin to do it. And it's actually it's pretty funny. The head property man who's been kind of Chaplin's boss, I think it is, uh, says, you know, he'll die if we send him up there because he doesn't know what he's doing. To which the ringmaster says, like, well, that's OK. I have him insured. So it's like the ringmaster is, you know, this, you know, this cruel monster. But he's funny, too, frankly. Yeah. Just because he's so like. He's like snidely whiplash, just, you know, so overtly villainous that you kind of got to laugh. Snidely whiplash and that he has a similar mustache Mm -hmm. and top hat as well. Yep. Yep. And um, so Chaplin, of course, you know, he's delusional at this point, but not so delusional that he doesn't talk one of the uh, prop guys into setting him up with a harness when he goes up there. Right. So no one notices this giant wire (laughs) and harness that's (laughs) that's holding him up. And uh, comic antics ensue as he, you know, climbs a rope, gets on the type rope. It looks like he's doing really amazing things, but not really because it's someone holding a harness and pulling him up. And it looks really awkward and hilarious. And it's kind of heartbreaking. I read that um, Chaplin really practiced tightrope walking and they got some, you know, good shots of it. But then. Something happened to a bunch of the negatives from the films. Oh, no. And so they had to reshoot. And and he maintained that the lost footage was superior to what we got. But what we got was still hilarious and impressive, I thought. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Because he does tightrope walk up there. Yeah, I mean, he does. Poorly, sure. But even without the harness, he's doing it up there. And there are monkeys. I was about to say, like, and then I can't even remember how, but then there's a pack of monkeys. Yeah, I think once again, he accidentally lets a lot of animals loose. And a lot of them are monkeys. Like actual, honest to God, monkeys. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing, too. We're talking about like the horses and the lions and everything like that. All of these creatures are real. I mean, you know, m- much kudos to Keaton. He always did his own stunts, his those crazy stunts. But um, in the Intolerance spoof, which the title of which escapes me, which makes me really upset and dad will yell at me. Um, he's in a lion's den, but the lion is obviously like a guy in a suit. Mm -hmm. real lion in this movie which is terrifying yeah and real monkeys up there yeah gosh i hope those animals were treated okay but they they probably weren't probably not let's not think about that let's think about how funny they are as they swarm all over charlie chaplin and take their revenge i guess take their revenge (laughs) yeah they are just making out with his head and yeah they have there's one that like nibbles on his nose a lot yep yep and at one point, either a tail or a foot gets caught in his mouth. Oh, God. Um, oh, it's like a comedy and horror at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's pretty little, great. It's a little bit nasty. It is. It's nasty, and I <laughs> like it. Um, somehow, and of course, at a crucial moment, you know, the harness breaks, and, uh, you know, everyone is looking away. It's terrible, but he does just manage to get down and finish right he the big finish of course is to ride a bicycle down one of the tight ropes and he does that except for he doesn't stop in time and he ends up bicycling across the street and into a shop which is you know that's funny that's funny uh so there's that bit yeah it describing this movie is probably not the most entertaining thing to listen to because it's just a series of bits. It's a series of bits. And I honestly, I don't remember how we get from this bit to him leaving the circus. What happens? Let's leave that as a question for the ages. Actually, here's what we'll say right now. Just just go watch the movie. We're doing a terrible job at relating this to you. You know, yeah, I think we're going to have a little more success when it gets to sound because there will be dialogue and it's yeah. we it's it's hard. It's hard, but I, I think there's a lot of it's a fascinating movie. Um one that Chaplin did not look back on very fondly. Oh, really? He it was like imagine if you're making this great movie and Everything terrible happened to you during this. Um, so some of the negatives got lost for the yeah, walking me, scene. And so give me a sec here. OK. During production, Charles Chaplin was served divorce papers by this isn't an IMDb, but by his child bride, Lita Gray, dragging his sex life into the media with sensational claims of the court documents that severely tarnished Chaplin's image. Then the IRS got involved, claiming Chaplin owed a million dollars in back taxes. The stress was so great that his hair, grain when production began, went completely white by the time filming resumed and had to be dyed to match. Oh, wow. So he really did not look back on this fondly. I think a lot of the negatives were lost. And so what was restored, you know, was great. But 
not to what he thought was the best standard. So he like neglected this film for years and years. And finally, in the 1960s, he was convinced to kind of restore it and put oh, it back again. I think that's when he composed a special <laughs> score. So it kind of had that second life. I hope he got satisfaction out of getting like the special Oscar for it. I was about to say that makes the Oscar that he got now sound like like an apology Oscar. Yeah, like, sorry, all that went down. Although, you know, I mean, I'm not going to feel too bad for Charlie Chaplin. He did marry a girl who I think she was like 16 and uh, kind of a habit of his. And (laughs) yeah. And uh, pay your taxes, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, come on. It's a good advice for everyone. Pay your taxes. Or your hair will turn white. Yes. And don't. Marry underage people. Don't marry underage people and don't be surprised when they get out of it and kind of drag your reputation because you kind of ruined a good chunk of their life. But yeah, so that's basically the circus. It was, I think, the last big silent comedy he made during the silent era. Of course, he bucked tradition in the 30s, making a, a City Lights and Modern Times. Those were both silent movies in the 30s. Oh, right. He was just really resistant to sound. He he knew uh, that, you know, he had an okay voice, but he was funnier when he wasn't talking. He apparently once confided to Groucho Marx that I wish I had your way with words. Like, I can't talk like that on screen. And so I think he was frustrated. A lot of the silent film stars were, but he kind of hung on to it, I think, a lot longer than a lot of them did. Well, and he was so big that he could. Yeah. People people still went and watched a silent charlie chaplin movie i mean i think like he was the first major major film star he was the first personality i mean rudolph valentino i think was even a little bit later than him because he was you know there pretty early on and like i said he you know grew up in show business Mm -hmm. so and from very poor beginnings uh you know it did not pay a lot in the music halls in london and so you know he had to you know work very hard uh, to get where he was and i think once he reached that level of success, he didn't really want it to change, which is understandable, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, um, yeah. <laughs> if I reach that level of success, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily want it to change. No, I mean, especially if you had been so deprived. It's like, don't flowers uh, for Algernon me. Let me, like, have this, please. <laughs> like, but it was still, I think, the circus was kind of an end of an era for him. He had, of course, major successes after that. But I think, you know... The film moved on from him. Yeah, so this was kind of like the last Chaplin movie that was of its time. Yeah, because then, really. then we did get like the Marx Brothers. We got W.C. Fields. We got sound comedians. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Buster Keaton obviously struggled with that, too. I don't even know what happened to like Harry Langdon and the rest. I think it was just time and place, man. Time and place. Very true. Well, actually, let's. Let's finish the plot to the movie and then we can get on to Oh, rating. see, I thought you were going to do the question mark. Oh. Uh, yeah, so, okay, I don't know how we get to this point, but eventually he gets fired. I think he might get fired after the tightrope. I remember him punching the ringmaster, and I don't know if it's because he's kind of disoriented from, like, the whole tightrope experience that he just kind of goes oh, off, wheels off, yeah. and, like, punches him, and the guy's like, that's the last straw, get the hell out of here. I can't remember. Was it because the ringmaster was going after his daughter again? No, I don't think that was it. I does, can't does it, Doesn't he? I mean, he does. He, he gets into his, like some sort of fist fight with Chaplin. 
I think it might be protecting the daughter. Yeah. This is so I mean, sad that we can't remember this exact plot point. We swatched point. it last night, but <laughs> I mean, it's a very 70 minutes and he does speed up the camera shots. It's a very fast paced movie. So yeah, but yeah, leaves. that's the reason he leaves and he's uh, on the outskirts. He's got a little camp set up. He goes back to being a tramp. Which he goes back to being a tramp. You get you get the sense that that's what he's most comfortable with. It's like, obviously, he wants better, but when he gets it, he kind of wants to go back to that comfortable place. Right, right. And don't we all? Which, again, you no, know, not really. could be meta for Charlie Chaplin wanting to hold on to the what he was comfortable with. Yeah, that's a good point. So after he leaves and becomes a tramp again, up shows Myrna saying that she's she's run away from the circus. I think that's pretty dang funny because I think, you know, it's oh, yeah. a take on the whole um, Running away to the circus. And the quick pace is almost kind of a fault of the movie because you feel like 10 minutes before this would have been Chaplin's dream. Mm -hmm. She wants to run away with him. But all of a sudden he's like, I'll be right back. And he runs back to the circus, tracks down the the tightrope walker. It's like, I can't take care of her. You're going to have to marry her. Mm -hmm. It's like, where did this come from? So I felt like, okay, like, okay. And yeah, the tightrope walker takes more time to kind of think about this than Chaplin does. Yeah. Well, I think, I think this is showing how in the end, despite him having this infatuation, he is a good guy. Yeah. And realizes, you know, being a tramp, that's who I am, but that's not who Myrna is. And Myrna deserves better. And maybe, you know, the realization that, well, Maybe the very first girl who's nice to me isn't necessarily my soulmate. And maybe he realizes, well, maybe I, I, I feel more of like a brotherly affection for her mm-hmm. at the end. Because now that he's actually faced with the idea of being with her, he's like, nah, <laughs> <laughs> I love her, but nah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And anyways, so now we can now we can get to the part that I remember. Um <laughs> They get married. And he gives the tightrope walker the ring he uh, bought for that gargantuan sum of $5. Yeah. And so they get married with his ring and he's there. He's the one throwing the the rice. Uh, really aggressively, but like not like yeah. actually aggressively, just calm down. Just so. comically. Comically, yeah. Yeah. And... As they return to the circus, the ringmaster is really upset and, of course, threatens his daughter again. And the tight rope walker steps in and is like, no, I own her now. I'm the man in charge. That's my wife. Yeah. And shows him like papers showing that they're legally married. And the ringmaster is like, well, I guess it's your job to hit her now. I mean, and again, I feel like it's a little bit of an unearned turnaround here. Like this guy who is treating this girl terribly throughout and everyone terribly is like let's shake hands and be friends everyone and yeah he doesn't get to do that yeah i mean i guess it's just the tone of the movie don't take things too seriously i guess (laughs) i guess and of course uh, myrna also insists that they also take back chaplin and they say, you know, okay, well, we need to move out. The, the circus is moving along. Let's get this wagon train moving. And Myrna says, you know, hey, you know, Chaplin, come come travel with us in our car. And he's like, no, 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 no that's fine. And the ringmaster is like, yeah, you go in the last car because he still doesn't like Chaplin. And Chaplin ends up just staying behind and he just kind of watches the circus caravan leave and then. 
toddles off chaplain style yeah. into the sunset. I'm suddenly having this epiphany. I guess, yeah, the tramp is just supposed to be this continuous character. And each movie maybe is just another episode in this particular character's life. Huh. Yeah. Well, there you go. Took me a while to get that. It's kind of sad. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, a, a, a characteristically kind of wistful ending that Chaplin seemed to go to a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't. I liked the movie. I enjoyed it, but I can't say it's like my favorite Chaplin picture. You know, I mean, it was very, very good. I can't really think of much wrong with it, but and I can understand why it got special attention from the Academy. But, you know, it didn't blow me away or anything. I don't know. What, you, what were your yeah. impressions? Um, Probably about the same. I mean, I think its main issue is that it's and I don't want to not really putting it down this way, but it's kind of one of the reasons why it's hard to grapple with is yeah. that it is kitsch. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's, um, it's unchallenging, which yeah. is fine. I mean, I often bring that up about movies or art and things like that. And when I say that, I'm not trying to say that as a snob. No. I mean, there's plenty of kitsch that I love. I love unchallenging movies and art sometimes. I mean, Seventh Heaven, you can say, is kind of kitschy and sentimental. but Yeah, to an extent. But again, the sincerity in it. Yeah, and also it. there's the whole war as hell. Yeah, that's very not aspect kitschy. As well. True, true. Um, but this is a feel-good riot for all and does not challenge the viewer very much and so ergo it's difficult to remember a little bit but you have a lot of fun while you're watching it right you have a lot of fun but you're not going to be probably debating its various philosophies yeah you're after. not going to be that's, that's fine it, it's not one that you ponder no that's okay and again i mean i think the oscars has become so mired into it has to be philosophically important mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's like the academy was still trying to figure out what it was but i think right. it early on had that idea that we have to only honor serious movies with serious messages so when faced with something like the circus which was beautifully made beautifully produced beautifully directed hilarious they realized, well, we should acknowledge this, but we certainly don't want it in the same categories as like Sunrise or Wings. Yeah, it's a little bit apples and oranges. Mm -hmm. and I it's, think. It's, or yeah. apples and bananas. I definitely think it should have been nominated with the other ones. I think it's stupid that they didn't just because it was a comedy, probably. Yeah. I don't think it should have won. I mean, I'm still a fan of Seventh Heaven as the winner, but um, I don't think it should have been really treated separately. I think it should have been included. Yeah, yeah. I think well one of the legends is that they that they didn't include it because it would have like would have been unfair if it had won best picture, best writing and best acting and all the stuff if it like swept the Oscars. Like everybody in Hollywood knew, look, Chaplin's ego is big enough. We don't need to <laughs> feed him that much. That's pretty funny. I mean, at least this way they they gave other people a chance. Yes. Yeah. Okay, but think we're at the point where we should start rating this movie Let's on categories it. just do it all right so for acting i want to give it an eight i was gonna say that too actually i mean nobody was bad everyone was very good i mean but again and no real su surprises i mean chaplin was playing the 
role he always did. And I thought he did it very well. I was, yeah, really pleasantly uh, tickled by Myrna Kennedy. I yeah, mean, she was good. The tightrope walker barely registered with me, frankly, but that's okay. Uh, the ringmaster yeah. was really great. And the side characters, all the clowns were really good. So yeah, solid acting overall, I th- I'd say. Yeah, pretty good. Nothing mind-blowing, but pretty good. It's fine. Writing. <laughs> what what was there any? Uh yeah, I mean again, it's hard because if you like put it next to the writing of like Seventh Heaven or or the racket or something, it, it is not as coherent or as cohesive. But it was but like apples and oranges again for a silent comedy, yeah, it was perfect. The writing was perfect. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna give it another another eight, I guess. I mean, I'm gonna differ from you. Quite a bit, actually. Wait, change it to a seven. Change it to a seven? Seven, yeah. Like, for me, I don't know. The writing felt lazy and was clearly just the framing device for him to do his bits. I think it was a lot of commentary, some of it quite bitter, on Chaplin's part of how he has been had been treated at mm. that point as this clown who should always be on. And, you know... Well, ironically, showing off all of Chaplin's many, many talents, his stunts, his juggling, his this. He learned how to tightrope walk. So it really was just a vehicle for him. And so it did lead to certain plot holes like, where did the tightrope walker go? Why is Chaplin suddenly <laughs> have this change of heart about the girl? Why does the, the ringmaster get to have a happy ending? So, right. yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I'm going to go all the way down to a four. Ooh, that is a big discrepancy. Wow. Okay. Uh, just because I feel like it's less than average. It's yeah, yeah. B- big big plot hole with uh with the tightrope walker not being there, and since uh, like that's such a crucial plot point, especially because he's there later on, and it's just like it's never you didn't change get it to fired? a six. I'm change a it six. to a six. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the bits themselves, I think, were just written in like basically choreographed. I don't know what you'd call it so perfectly that I kind yeah. of forgot about stuff like that, which is, you know, to its credit, I guess. But yeah, if you're just going to look at the writing apart from everything else, yeah, it does kind of fall short. <laughs> All right. Uh, cinematography. Very good, I thought. Yeah. Again, nothing mind-blowing. I mean, the the House of Mirrors bit was good. Although I feel like that could have been even That was pretty bigger. much a static camera. Yeah, it was pretty much a static camera. Um, I guess and pretty, you know, static on the tightrope too. I guess I'd give it a I'd give it a seven. Seven? I'm I'm gonna give it a five. Cause I think it's average. Yeah. Which I mean, if we're going that's the whole thing is like whenever I think about these, like, are we doing grade standards or numerical standards? <laughs> because what you gave it a, a seven would be like a seventy, which is a C, which mm-hmm. is average. I don't know. I don't know. I'm giving it a five. Yeah, that's right in the middle. That's average. Yeah. Now, overall, how do the acting, writing, and cinematography work together? How does it all come together? I hate to sound like a parrot, but I guess I'll say seven. Seven? Um, yeah, it was a good, solid movie. Mm-hmm. You know? I think I'm going to match your seven there. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Maybe it's just a, f- a failure of our categories to that we just can't capture what's great about this movie. 
we should have a slapstick category. All the yeah. other movies we've done would, of course, fail that. But this would be great. I guess we have it included in the acting. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, yeah. Overall, I think seven. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Go watch it. Yeah, definitely. It's fun. Yeah. It's short. Yeah, yeah. There's no reason why you shouldn't watch it. So why aren't you doing it so right now? So why aren't you now? doing it right now? God, we have to do everything. <laughs> All right, let's see. Bonus rounds. All right. How about costumes and set? Do we give them any bonus points for that? Um, I'd say so. Definitely for the sets. I mean, I did like the the carnival. Yeah, set thing. Yeah, I love you know the bit where he and the criminal are like pretending to be the little uh, mechanical mechanical figures. So I give it a. I give it a four. Four bonus points. Four bonus points. Um. Yeah, I'll give it a. Th- I'll give it three bonus points for that. I mean, okay. it was a lot of elaborate sets, and you know, Chaplin's costume does have enormous pockets. That's cool. I mean, that's functional. I think if we all dressed a little more like the Tramp, we could probably get a lot of stuff done. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, boldness. It takes, does it take risks? I don't think that it does. I really don't think so. I mean, you know, I would say ordinarily, well, pretty bold that he doesn't get the girl. But I mean, that was pretty common in Chaplin movies at that point. I think, I right. honestly think it would have been bolder if she had like turned away from the blandly handsome tightrope walker and gone off with the funny guy. So I'm not going to give him any, honestly. I was, I was thinking of the same. Um, so zero for boldness. Well, zero for boldness. Hey, they're bonus points, you know. You sometimes, know, it's not detracting from anything. Longevity. How well does this thing stand up? I mean, I think it's enjoyable. I think, um, you know, it's not. I guess I'll give it two. Two bonus two? points. I mean, it it was obviously it, it holds up. Um mm-hmm. You know, it made an impression then to, like, get the Oscar. But I guess let's go right into Legacy, unless you wanted to give. Oh, I was going to give them. I'll, I'll give them also two like, longevity bonus points because I don't. I think it holds up pretty well. Um, I just wonder how amused people are by getting kicked in the butt these days. Oh, actually, I don't think that has changed at all. I mean, I think. Honestly, kids, kids would love it. I mean, I think I think that's always been you've, how it is. You've convinced me. I'm going to go up to a three. Okay. But legacy. Yeah, I'm only going to maybe give it one because when you think of Chaplin, the movies that come to mind are Gold Rush, City Lights, uh, The Dictator, uh, Modern Times. Circus kind of... The circus is uh, up there, probably higher than some of his other movies, but it just does not reach that level as his other movies. Yeah, I was going to give it points because there are so many bits that obviously influenced other comedians. Yeah. Like we've uh, mentioned them a few times already, but Harpo obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, learned a lot from Chaplin. But that's not, you know, specific to this movie. That's exactly. Yeah. It's not specifically this movie. Um, I guess I'll give it 
you're right. I was going to give it more points, but I think I am going to match your one. Okay. Because I think a lot of that is just Chaplin being Chaplin. There's no, <laughs> there's nothing about the circus that really makes it that unique. No. I think is where we're getting. No, exactly. Um, although now I'm thinking maybe we should add just one point for boldness because he did go into that cage with a live lion and oh, a tiger. That is a point. so one one bonus point for boldness. It's just suddenly occurring to me. Yeah, I guess he did get into a cage with a lion. With a lion, which is just how drugged was that poor cat? Oh gosh, yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll give him a a bonus point for doing some fairly dangerous stunts. Yeah, yeah, and the tightrope walking. I mean, I don't think there was a net. I think he was really doing that. So. Oh, getting had to getting chased by that mule constantly. Oh, yeah. there We forgot this running thing where this mule just chases him. That's never really explained. Yeah, it just happens every once in a it while. It's kind of like his nemesis. Yeah. Uh, so we have all of our points. Okay. Shall we tally them up? Oh, boy. All right. I've totaled them up and we have a, okay, we have a 67. Well, well, well. Let's see where that puts it at. Sadly, the bottom of our list. I feel like such a snob. I feel like such a snob. I feel like those dirty Academy members who are like, screw comedies. This is a very good, solid movie. Go see it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go see go see every movie that we've talked about for this year. It's um, it's a very good movie. But I think that our scoring parameters just do not capture what's good about it. Yeah. And I think maybe that was what the Academy's problem was. I think it kind of blew up their little brain in this first go around. Uh, <laughs> huh? Like, whoa, it like fits all these categories, but none of them. Oh, shit. Let's just give him a special one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's call it a day. All right. But the other special news is that concludes our 27, 28 year. Our very first uh, Oscars. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. How are you All feeling? Right. I am feeling pretty good about this. And we will have a roundup for the 1927-1928 um, year of the very first Academy Awards. And I think what we should do is take all of our nominees. We haven't decided whether or not the circus will be one of them. But uh, I think we should take our nominees and see if we can agree on which one should win the ultimate Supreme Notsker. I mean, I think I've given mine away a lot, so you can edit as you see fit. No, that's 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 fine. We can talk about why. Okay. And so let's see. Here's the big question uh, before we get too much further. Okay. The circus. Do we want to nominate the circus for the Notsker, a movie award podcast movie award? Like, if it were the first of its kind, I would be absolutely yes, yes, yes. But Gold Rush came out, like, five years before that, I think, or just a couple. And I think that was produced, written, acted by Chaplin and Keaton and Harold Lloyd did all of theirs. So, I mean, that's just what's awful about this, because it is such a good movie. But I feel like it just doesn't stick out in the way that I feel like it should for an Oscar but again, am I being too much of a snob? I don't know. What do you think? I want to hear what you think. Then I will decide I, like a little sheep. 
<laughs> um, no, there's just, I don't know. You can have a comedy that has a little bit more meat to it. Yes. And yes. while this was a very enjoyable movie, do go watch it. I think you're, you hit the nail on the head. There are other movies that it could. Like, I think the general. Blend into. Didn't the general like come out this year? Like. Yeah, the general also came out the same year, I believe. And I think, you know, I'm not as enthused by the general as a lot of Keaton films. I think he, and it's not just because, you know, it was about the stupid Confederacy. I think it was, I just don't think it was as, frankly, as funny or as good as some of his other movies. Um, but I still think it was, talk about boldness, talk about legacy, talk about this. I mean, much more of an impact than the circus did. So, yeah, I'm not going to oh. nominate the circus. It, that's me. Yeah, I'm not either. When we're looking at this from our point of view, we can't help but look back on like the era it was made um, in a way that the first Academy, you know, wasn't really thinking. And I just don't think it was the best comedy of the silent era. I don't think it was the best Chaplin film. Yeah, um, yeah. And I just don't think it holds up to the best of the best that was nominated. So, yeah, no, no, not scare for me. Okay, and I'll agree. And if you have enjoyed this program, please yeah. share it with your friends. Do it. Uh, especially all those movie fans out there. You can now, I'm happy to say, you can now contact us on Twitter at ComebackAStar. And we also have a Facebook page yeah. by the same title. So, uh, yeah, give us a tweet. Yeah. Look up tweet. our Facebook page. Little, tell us how we're wrong. Like, tell us how the circus was robbed and all that cool jazz. And um, any conspiracy theories you have about the time traveler. I want to oh, know. I want to yeah. believe. That will be something to uh, post that should on be our the header. Facebook page. <gasps> that should be our header picture as a lady. Oh. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I think right now it's, um, oh, what's her name from Wings? Oh, Clara? Yeah, Clara, Clara Bow. Bow. Oh well, don't 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 replace Clara. She no, suffered so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think that's it for this episode. We are coming in almost exactly at the same runtime as the movie itself. <laughs> so yeah, just have us, you know, have our beautiful commentary playing while you watch it, and be really confused and disoriented. It'll be great. Yeah, because it won't sync up at all. All right, guys, you stay safe out there, yep. and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, wash your hands, wear a mask. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.